0: Well, you made it. This is our last Sunday. We tried to get it down to about 35, but it would not cooperate. So, uh, but I appreciate everybody being here, uh, and thank you for those that are listening uh, online. Um, we're going to have a great morning. And, uh, of course, next week, and we'll have some more information on this uh, at the end of the service. We're going to be moving uh, inside, so, yeah, can't wait for it. You know, this this whole COVID thing, it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon, right? Things are kind of ticking up just a little bit here, as we would expect as, as, you know, we kind of open things up uh, around the nation. So just stay diligent out there, guys. Love your neighbor, okay? That's all I'm going to say about COVID. That's it. That's all you get. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, for the last four weeks, we have uh, looked at stories in the Old Testament, finding hope through history. Learning that in the midst of storms and, and tough times and maybe even tragedy in our lives that we can find hope in the Lord. And in this final installment of our series, it's no different. And then the title of our message is Finding Hope in Your Circumstances. And so for our story this week, we're going to turn to the books of Jeremiah and Lamentations. And these, of course are everyone's top books to read in front of a fireplace on a cold day with a cup of hot chocolate, a nice maybe pour-over coffee, to be encouraged. Well, if you're not familiar uh, with these books, uh, they can be a little rough, and so it's not necessarily uh, the type of reading material you would sit in front of a fireplace with. But Jeremiah itself, the, the book, it's the longest book in the Bible as far as the amount of words, There's there's so much there, and we're just going to have to pick and pull a little bit um, out of Jeremiah. And uh, what it does is it speaks of Jeremiah's, uh, or excuse me, Jerusalem's rebellion, punishment, and hope. And then also we're going to look at Lamentations, where we hear uh, kind of the things that Jeremiah is going through. We hear of his humanness, his situation. His full grief is on display in Lamentations. So before we get any further, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing day, this morning that you've given us, the breath that you've given us. Uh, Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, that we would uh, come away, knowing that we can find hope even in the midst of whatever circumstance we may find ourselves in. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to hear you. Uh, Lord, we'd be willing to be challenged and we'd be willing to change. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's kind of draw a little bit of a picture here. Uh, The prophet Jeremiah, he kind of lived in history in a really dark time. It was a uh, it was a rough time in Israel's history. And biblical history and scholars tell us that he lived uh, in and around Jerusalem in the southern kingdom of Judah. And it was at this time uh, when the Jewish people, uh, this time when the, where the Jewish people lived, um, it was very, very interesting. There was a rapidly changing geopolitical environment, which was dangerous and it was volatile. And there were so many things happening so quickly and yet they found themselves in this situation. The Assyria Empire to the north had conquered and captured the northern kingdom of Israel. But according to earlier prophecies of Isaiah and Nahum, who came before Jeremiah, Assyria was about to be judged and destroyed. And then you have um, the Egyptian kingdom to the south. That was led by Pharaoh by the name of Nico. And uh, they were about to be taken out by a new power that was coming on the scene. Uh, from the east, and that was Babylon and their wonderful king, Nebuchadnezzar. And so you have this this war and terror, and you have this evil moving through the regions where the Jewish people lived. And they were in danger, and it was escalating, and it was getting worse, and whether they acknowledged it or not. Now, Jeremiah, he was a prophet chosen by God at this time to speak to that nation, And he was to talk to them and to warn them and to implore them to come back to God from their selfish and sinful ways. And if we were being honest here, at that time, they were selfish. They were evil. They weren't doing well. They were not doing really good things. So if you look in your app, we're going to listen to um, or read Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 21 through 25. It says this, Announce this to the descendants of Jacob. And proclaim it in Judah. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? Going down a little bit. But these people have stubborn and rebellious hearts. They have turned aside and gone away. They do not say to themselves, let us fear the Lord our God who gives autumn and spring rains in season. Who assures us of the regular weeks of harvest? Your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good. And then, as for Jeremiah, right up in chapter 1, verse 5, it tells us that Jeremiah was chosen by God for this task, for this time, and that's why he was born. It says in verse 5 Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So the problem here was that the Jews people would not listen to Jeremiah. They didn't believe him. They were not listening to the word. They were listening, they were listening to false prophets, ones that were tickling their ears, telling them good things when all uh, this tragedy was walking through the region. They were not obeying the Lord. They were not fearing the Lord. They were not following the Lord. They were living in great sin, and they were living in in darkness. And they would listen to these other so-called prophets because they were telling them good things, the things that they wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear what Jeremiah had to say. And so the God's message to the Jews through Jeremiah was this, that they needed to repent, they needed to turn back to the Lord, or they were going to face terrible judgment for their sins. The Jews of that time uh, were basically, they were in a pickle. They were choosing false prophets over the prophet of God. So what about Jeremiah? That's the Jews. What about Jeremiah as we continue to paint this picture? Well, he had a great life. Jeremiah, he loved his life. It was wonderful. And if you know a little bit about him, you might be chuckling because uh, he really had a rough life. It, w- it wasn't good. Matter of fact, his life was so great, more than once he questioned why he was born. In uh, chapter 15, verse 10, he says, Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me as a man of strife and a man of contention, to all the lands, and then also in 2014, 15, he says something similar. See, the thing is, is that nobody seemed to listen to him, and and he and through this he was tempted to abandon his calling. He accused the Lord. He wrestled with the Lord. He wrestled with doubt. His faith was in a place where uh, it was challenged and where he was wavering. And it gets even better, and because of the nature of his calling, this is what happened because God called him in the way that God called him and what he instructed him, he basically was often alone. He was not allowed by the Lord to get married or have a family. I didn't hear that one. That wasn't a, a thing for me here. But uh.
1: <laughs>
0: He was betrayed by most of his friends. He was persecuted. He was mocked. He was falsely accused, ignored, attacked, arrested, beaten, imprisoned, and repeatedly sentenced to death. Like we said, he had a great life give you a little example in Jeremiah chapter 20 Jeremiah is arrested in the temple uh, uh, by the temple guards because he prophesied the downfall of Jerusalem and they didn't want to hear this he did this in the temple courts and so there's this priest named Pashur and when he heard this in, in verses 1 uh, Jeremiah 20 chapter 1 or chapter 20 verse 1 when he heard Jeremiah prophesying in the temple courtyard he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten And he locked Jeremiah's hands and feet between large blocks of wood at the upper gate of Benjamin of the Lord's temple. They just didn't want to hear it. Now, just a little aside, this after he uh, was left out of prison, after he was released, this is what he said to uh, Pashur. He said, the Lord's name for you is not Pashur, but terror on every side. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, buddy. No, that's not in there. That's just Rich's paraphrasing. that's Yeah, Rich's commentary. Yeah, you can get my book in the bookstore. Yeah. But this is what it, what it looked like. It seemed like that every time he had something bad to say, every time he had a warning for them, which really was in their best interest, he was trying to protect them. He was trying to draw them back to the Lord. They treated him terribly. They treated him like he was doing this on purpose. Now, can you imagine... God speaking to Jeremiah, so every time God tells uh, Jeremiah that you need to tell the nation this thing that's going to happen to them, if they don't change their ways, they don't turn back to him. Uh, Jeremiah? Jeremiah? Not again, God, no. Please, not again. Because every time he did this, or so often uh, he ended up getting beaten, or he was in prison, and so it was a little bit rough. Okay, okay, Let's move over into the book of Lamentations. And we're going to go to chapter 3. It's right, the, the next book, right next to Jeremiah. And in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 5, Jeremiah feels like God, this is, this is how he feels. So we, we're going to kind of continue talking about a little bit of what Jeremiah felt like. And then we're going to get to a place and see if he was able to find hope. So in Lamentations 3, 5, Jeremiah feels like God has besieged him with bitterness and hardship. In verse 6, he feels forgotten like those who have been long dead. In verse 14, he says, I have become a stock to all my people, the object of their taunts all day long. In 15, he says, He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. Meaning, and that means like a state of source of bitterness or grief. It feels like he's been chained up in some dark place where God would not hear him or hear his cry, or his prayers. It's quite the picture, right? But this is a message of hope. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. With all that was happening in the life that Jeremiah was living, how did Jeremiah Jeremiah deal with this? How did Jeremiah find hope? What kept him going? What kept him faithfully serving the Lord against all odds? Well, the short answer is this. He had hope. But the question is, is where did he find this hope? So let's continue. We're going to go to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 17. You should be able to see that in the app. He says, he confesses, My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. And so he is not in a good place here. As you listen to this verse, it's pretty much left him depressed and despondent. He has no confidence that he may expect anything good from the Lord. But I want you to check this out. Before faith completely leaves him, before before it disappears, before he he decides that there isn't any hope, he turns again to God. Verse 19. He says this, remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness, surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. And then he says this, verse 21. But this I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. What is the this? What is it that he remembers? And this is important, folks. He remembers the character of God. Look with me, verse 22. So if let's uh, let's go ahead and read 21 and put 21 and 22 together. It says this. But this, I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. And here's the this: the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for His compassion never fails they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So what happens here with Jeremiah is that he deliberately turns from remembering his circumstances to recalling and to remembering the character of his God. Don't miss this. He, he forces his mind away from the visible, the things that are going on in his life. And you and I, We all walk through different deserts. We all have different scenarios and situations that that come into our lives. Some are are not so bad. Some are, are very, very difficult. And sometimes the circumstances that we live in and that are happening to us are overwhelming. And it's like the only thing we can see is the circumstances. The only thing we can see is badness. The only thing we can see is hurt and pain. And we wonder, where is God? Where do I find my hope in this scenario, in this situation? We find it in the character of God. Jeremiah forces his mind away from the visible to the eternal. The eternal God whose character never changes. And so that's our first point, remembering the character of God on how to find hope in our circumstances this turning of his mind and I want you to think of it as as perhaps a hinge of a door from despair to hope and the door swings on this it begins to open for some of us we're able to to look to God quickly and we're able to open that door and slam that thing open and look for the character of God and rest and trust us for others of us it takes a lot more but it's turning from that to believing in the character of God that we begin to push open that door and that hinge is is secure and on the other side of that is is truth there is love there is peace and there's a God who loves us and a God who loves you so once again Jeremiah is this Uh, focus it shifted from his present circumstances to the truth of God's character knowing that God and this is so important the reason we go to God's character because we know that that God can't act against his character he doesn't act against his love he doesn't act against who he is it is always the same it is always true it is always right it is always pure And that character that his hope is grounded in is God's never-ending, limitless love for you and for me. Don't let that slide past you. Lean into that truth. No matter where you are, what you're going through, we're not finding hope, you can lean into that God's love for you and God's love for me is never-ending, that it is true, that it is pure and that it lifts you up. Now something to notice about his circumstance, uh, notice here, is that Jeremiah, he's in the same place. Nothing about his circumstances have changed. It's only his focus. It doesn't mean that there wasn't going to be any more suffering. (laughs) There was plenty more to come. It's that Jeremiah found a path to hope in the midst of his circumstances. He stopped dwelling on them and he began to trust God with the outcome even though he couldn't see it. That's faith, isn't it? Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we have Jeremiah here. And his first ground for hope, finding hope in his circumstances is the character of God. Towards him and towards his people. Now, here's the second. The second is that God is our portion. Lamentations three twenty four continues. It says that the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. That God is our portion, meaning what? In other words, uh, our possession. We we have Christ in us, and because we have Christ. There is a possession that takes place. We have him. He has us. He is the maker of all things. He is our portion. We have everything in him. And therefore, as the verse says, we have hope. And so we find ourselves in that in that place. So if we find ourselves in a place of diminishing hope, and if like Jeremiah, we begin to turn, to look past our circumstances and remember his character. Then we remembered that he is our portion. It's things that began to move us from where we are of our circumstances to hope. When we look that way, when we believe those things, we begin to open the door of hope. And verse 25 says this truth. The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the person who seeks him. It's turning to God. Now, for the third one, I'm not going to spend uh, a lot of time on this because it's really self-explanatory. And that is simply the need for a relationship with God. And, I, and of course you would say, well, if, well, of course, but there's some of you out here that you do not have a relationship with God. You have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And there's some of us that are sitting here who our relationship with God is a little distant. And perhaps we've backed away from him. Perhaps we really haven't spent time with him. And so it's important to, to, to know that one of the stalwart places of where we can turn to hope is by having a relationship with God. See, We're using Jeremiah as our example. Jeremiah had a very close, he had a very intimate, he had a very personal relationship with the living God of the universe. And Jeremiah, he loved God's word. It's where he found his answers. It's where God found his comfort. It's where he found his hope. And when we have a relationship with God, that means we're spending time with him. That means we're in the word. That means we're praying. That means that we're listening. And that's where we find comfort, and that's where we find hope. If you don't have that, or if you don't know him, this last point could change your life forever as you look for hope in your life and in your circumstances. So to finish this up, let's get to our last point here. We're going to look at, uh, in Jeremiah, specifically chapters 30 through 33. And we're going to talk about something that is really important. And it's our final point, and that is ultimate hope. And just so you know, verses 30 and 33, they're kind of the way they're put into in the book of Jeremiah, they're kind of smack in the middle of it. It's a literary, literary tool that is used. And uh, it's kind of booked in by judgment and despair and on both sides of it. And then right in the middle, 30 to 33, there's this sliver. The sun is breaking through, and there's a sliver of hope. Let's see what we can learn. Jeremiah chapter 30, starting in verse 11. It says, I am with you and will save you, declares the Lord. Though I completely destroy all the nations among which I scatter you, I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you, but only in due measure. I will not let you go entirely unpunished. This is what the Lord says. Your wound is incurable. Your injury beyond healing. There is no one to plead your case. There's no remedy for your sore. No healing for you. And then here's the promise, the hope. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. It's verse 17. So what is this incurable wound? In these verses, God confronts Israel with a very important and a very, in essence, a very harsh truth. And so, even though God loves them, even though God has chosen them, because of their actions, they are sick. They have an incurable disease. They have an injury, a wound that doesn't have any remedy. It's beyond healing. And according to the verses, there's nobody, none of their friends that can come in and help them. And because of their sin, she's alone, wounded, sick, with no earthly hope of recovering. And so what God does here is he makes it completely clear in this passage that this incurable disease, this uh, what we would call perhaps a fatal wound, It's because, not what other people did, but it's because of Israel's own sinfulness. That is you and I without a saving relationship with God. Lost and fatally wounded. If you're not in a relationship with the Lord, where are you going to find your hope? Where did Israel find their hope. Did Israel find their hope? Well, the truth is, just like Israel, I have an incurable disease. And so do you. And so does everybody around you. And what is that incurable disease? It's the sinful nature of my flesh. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is the reality that in myself that there is none there is no righteousness, Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. And so what is, what is the reality of the diagnosis of this wound, of this fatal wound? It is that left to my own, apart from God's intervention, as it is yours, I would be left to die and not recover. So let's use some current vernacular. I would not be able to recover from a pandemic of sin. Well, I I did promise I wasn't going to say anything about COVID, right? (laughs) I didn't say anything about COVID. I said anything about a a pandemic of sin. That's not COVID, all right? (laughs) So let me just restate that, okay? I would have been left to die from a pandemic of sin meaning eternally separated from God with no hope. And the thing is, is we are all subject to an incurable illness for which there is a 100% death rate. And I'm talking about eternal separation from God. So where's the hope? Here's the hope for you. Here's the hope for Israel And here's the hope for me. The hope is that there is one who can and desires to restore health to you and me. To heal your wounds, to heal my wounds, and free me from this disease. God was able to offer help. He was able to offer hope. And he was able to offer a cure for Israel's incurable disease. See, because of Israel's sin, They became separated from God. That's our place. That's what sin does. They repeatedly broke the covenant God had made with them. They repeatedly refused to obey the old covenant that God had made with them through Moses. Most of them, they were not listening to God. They were not following God's word. Rather, they were disobeying God's laws and they were hardening their hearts. And what that is, is it's living a life our own way without any deference to God. Jeremiah, what he did is that he revealed that not only was judgment coming, but plastered in the middle of Jeremiah's message, this message of of this disease to the Jews because of the rebellion and sin, right in the middle of it, there was a streak of, uh, excuse me, there was a bright streak of hope that emerged in this. And so God commands his people to behold, to take a look and to see. Something new is going to spring forth. And so even though Jerusalem, even though they, excuse me, the Jews broke the covenant, the promise God made with them over and over again and through her disease, her uh, propensity to sin that was incurable, God was making another way. The broken covenant, it could not be put back together. Israel's wound, our wound was incurable. But God would heal her to the uttermost by doing a brand new thing. A new covenant was coming. What does that mean? Well, that means that God would initiate a very new relationship with them, a personal and an intimate and an everlasting relationship with lost people, who desperately needed him to save and atone for them, to wash away their sins, and to give them righteousness. Look with me at Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. He says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, meaning although I was faithful to them. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them, and on their hearts I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people, for I will forgive the iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. God fulfilled his promise of hope. God made a new covenant through Jesus Christ who sealed it by paying the penalties, which is the cost of my sin, and by dying for them and then raising from the dead, conquering death. And that is the ultimate cure of the disease, and that is the ultimate hope that we have as believers in Christ. And if you do not know jesus as your savior if you do not have a relationship with him and you are looking for hope in your life and it's not just this life and it's not just your circumstances but it's what happens after you die that is where ultimate hope lies that's what gives us the encouragement and the power to live a life here on earth, looking forward with hope of being with Him forever. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 9, verses uh, 14 and 15. We'll be finishing up here. Verse 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, purify our consciences from works of death so that we may serve the living God? Therefore, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. This is the promise made so many years ago through Jeremiah to the people of Israel. There's a new covenant. I am going to put it in your heart so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. So that those who are called may receive, excuse me, uh, the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died to redeem them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And so it comes full circle. It comes full circle. If you don't have a relationship with him, you can you can do that right now. God is calling you this morning. He has a covenant Of peace, a covenant of salvation for you. You know, we're finishing up here outside. We're finishing up these series here. And you've listened to so many great stories where we've been able to find that there is hope in this world. Excuse me, that there is hope. And that the hope is not found in this world. That this hope is found in a God who loves us. And if you want that, if you want that hope, I want to implore you to pray with me, to pray to God, to tell him that you're sorry that you've been living your own life away from him, that you want to embrace this this covenant, of salvation, this covenant of love. Uh, by doing that, you say you're sorry. You accept Jesus Christ uh, as your Lord and Savior. What that means is that you believe that he, he lived. You believe uh, that you are sinful. You believe that he died for your sins to pay the price. You believe that, that not only did he die, but he raised from the dead, that he conquered death. And because of that, you and I can have hope. Why don't you pray with me? Father, you are the God of hope. It doesn't matter what is going on in our lives. It doesn't matter of the circumstances. Lord, I pray that we would learn to trust in your character, the character of who you are. Lord, I, I pray that We would desire a strong relationship with you. Father, your love for us is immense. And Lord, I know there are people here who have been wrestling with you, wrestling with the truth, wrestling with finding hope. They've been looking for it in the world. And Lord, I pray right now um, that you would speak to them. And if that's you this morning, I want you to pray along with me praying, you're not praying to me, and you're not saying any magical words, but you're praying to God, and just say, Lord, I am so sorry for living my life my own way. I realize that I can't find hope in this world. I realize I like Israel. I'm just, I'm in muck. I'm messed up. I can't find peace. I can't find hope. I keep doing my own things, and I keep getting the same result. Father, forgive me for living my life that way. Jesus, I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Will you come into me by the Holy Spirit? Will you forgive me of my sins? Jesus, I will follow you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for conquering death and raising from the dead. Thank you that when I accept you, that I am a new creation. I am a new person with the that a person that can have hope in this world. If you prayed that, if you mean that, if you believe that, today is your day of salvation. Today is your day of salvation. That means that you will live with God forever. It means that you have power through God's word to live a life to conquer sin. He makes you a new person. If that's you, and you did that this morning, you, uh, uh, you can come and talk to me later, one of our pastors, or to your life group leader, or to a friend that, that brought you, let them know what you did. What you did. All right. Well, we're going to finish up this last uh, Sunday out here. And Chris is going to come up, and he has some uh, announcements for you. Chris, are you cold? You're cold. Okay. All right. I didn't bring my gloves this morning. you got gloves. so. Uh...
1: Okay, Rich, thank you. What a great way to end this series with an invitation to relationship. Thank you so much. That was really wonderful. Hey, you all right out there? You see that sun coming up? You see that sun coming out? Well, yeah, but it's, it's, it'll be back. Hey, let me, let me finish up with a few announcements, and if you just hang on for a moment, because we do want to, uh, again, explain what's going on here next week. Um, so a few things. One is uh, Mandy and the women's ministry had a great retreat uh, here recently, and she wanted to make sure you knew that they're going to continue these mini retreats. They'll be held uh, every second Saturday, November through May. So information will come as they, uh, as they approach. Okay, so tonight at 6 o'clock, we are having a harvest party, which will include hot chocolate and hot dogs and fire pits and stuff like that. So be back here at 6 o'clock. It's going to be a great time. We need to have a little fun around here, right? Amen to that. So looking forward, come at 6 o'clock, dress warm, but uh, it's going to be a really fun, really fun time. Okay, for an hour before that harvest party, we are going to have our vision night done a little differently this year. We're going to keep it outside. It's going to happen right here between 5 and 6. So we hope you can come. Certainly we will go through more details about the move inside as well as some other things relative to this past year. So again, that'll be from 5 to 6 outside right right here all right again as rich said this is our last sunday outside next sunday we move back inside in order to try to do that safely we need uh, you to register with us that registration is for november and december on which service you plan to attend and again those services are a little different nine o'clock where masks will be required throughout the service Uh, and also there is uh, training and care and spiritual formation for our kids elementary age during that first service nine o'clock service then during the eleven o'clock service masks will be are encouraged throughout Um, they are required when you enter and when you exit and when you sing They can be taken off during the teaching uh, portion of the service. Um, So we need you to get onto that email where you can register and let us know 9, 11, third category is you're flexible, you can go either, and a fourth category is you intend to watch online. I do want to say that we've had a lot of people register. And we are at a, uh, a place where we're looking at meeting our capacity if everybody comes. So we do need you to register. We're going to use the sanctuary. We're actually going to have uh, overflow or what we call alternative spaces that may be attractive for parents of young children. Um, so we're just making as much access as possible. But we need you to to register to let us know. Now. I know a lot of you are guests and you've been coming throughout the summer and you've never entered onto our system, so you never got that email. Uh, Let me give you a couple of alternatives. Today, after the service, at our connection uh, table there, um, you can sign up. So you don't have to get online. If we don't have your email, you can go and Mandy will take down your name. And again, just let us know if you plan on coming at 9 or if you plan on coming at 11, and we'll get you on to our database. Or, again, you can give us your email, and we will send you that specific email, which we allow you to register digitally. Okay, so again, if you're new, talk to Mandy, talk to one of our pastors. We want to make sure we include you in this. You're certainly welcome. We want you to come and make this transition inside with us. Okay, I would ask if there's any questions, but we can't do that right now. But tonight, that will be the case. Tonight, we'll try to leave as much room as uh, available as possible for questions, particularly about that inside transition. And obviously, the, the live streaming, the online option will remain through this time. Lastly, I think uh, the last thing I want to mention is as we move inside next week, we'll begin a new series called Ecclesia, Why Church? We thought it'd be a great time to remember what is the church and why exactly does Jesus call us to engagement and involvement with his church. So we'll start that series next Sunday. Just you stand? Rich will lead us in a final blessing.
0: Why don't you raise your hands? This comes out of Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Folks, why don't you give yourselves a hand for, for just being out here and, and hanging out with us for uh, many weeks.